So this morning, I woke up and I realized the passage we're going to be in today is actually one of my favorite passages because it's got this, such a, a difference, it's such a, a change from even last week. So we're actually going to look at something a little differently. If you look in your bulletin and you see the passage, you might have read it already and you're going to think, Pastor John has gone crazy because he's preaching the same sermon two weeks in a row. Trust me, it's not going to be the same sermon two weeks in a row. And so I'm excited for this morning. Let me pray to get us started um, in the sermon. And I, I know if you're here and it's your first time with us, one of the things that we're talking about in this series is hurt and pain because we realize that around the holidays, there's a lot of hurt. We miss loved ones. We have dysfunctional family relationships, extended family, whatever it is, and yet it all comes to a head around Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, there's different times. Maybe you have as many as four or five family Christmases. I've met people that have six. That's my top I've ever heard of. There was a movie a while back called Four Christmases where they went to four different Christmases. I mean, there's, there's things that happen, and so today is for you. And if that's not you, and you say, man, everything's been going really well this Christmas, Today is still for you. So let me pray, and we'll get in the passage. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we just ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to what your word says here, that we'd be able to look at this young teenage girl, Mary, that's powerless, but then you made powerful. God, it is in your power that you sent your son to this planet as a baby, someone just like us in need. Someone that, that grew up as a man and died on a cross for us, but then was resurrected from the dead so that we can have new life. Lord, help us to see that no matter how powerless we feel right now, with you we are powerful. We say all this in Jesus' name, amen. So I'd like to welcome you here this morning if you notice, the decorations are up here. Like I already mentioned, I, I love the decorations, by the way. So the, the thing about Christmas that I love the most is I feel like it's kind of an excuse to put a bunch of trees in your house. You know, like in my house, we've got a Christmas tree. We've got a Lego Christmas tree. We've got this tree. There's all kinds of stuff in our house. And I always wondered what it would be like when Jesus was born. So we're going to actually hear about Mary and the angel coming, and it's not nearly as beautiful as, as the Christmas decorations that we have nowadays. It's, it's, it's in the desert, and it's dry, and there's, there's not much there. So we're going to be in the book of Luke. Um, you can turn there to Luke chapter 1. If you have our app, it's going to be at the top of the feed there. This series is called Hurt in the Holidays, and I really, really appreciate uh, the fact that we are looking at Jesus' birth from a different perspective. Have you ever noticed that there's four Gospels? And I think the best part of that is that you kind of get a little bit different perspective. And so we looked at the perspective of Joseph last week. Joseph has his wife Mary come to him and say, hey, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And he's like, no, she cheated on me. There's no way. And then what happens? An angel appears to him and tells him this is God's plan. This is what he needs to be named. And he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. And so today, we're going to hear what happened from Mary's perspective. From Mary this young girl. So I'm calling this powerless living. 
is the, is the sermon today. Powerless living. I don't think any of us wants to live without power. Every time the power goes out, what happens? I don't know about you. I start texting people like, hey, do you have power? Hey, do you have power? Oh, I'm, you're across town. Right, do you have power? Oh, there's powers out in Angola. Is there power in? No one wants to live without power. And I know I'm talking about electricity, but no one wants to live without power in this world. We are growing up and living in a world that is recoiling from the abuse of power. The powerful and the wealthy take advantage of those that are poor and have less power than them. You see, finally, people are kind of fighting back. There's this movement of kind of, whether it's misguided or not, people are fighting that, whether it's in the political world, whether it's, whether it's just people being abused. Who has the least power in our world? Children. When I worked in social work, I, I saw kids that were abused and neglected, and you think, why were they abused and neglected? Because they were powerless. They didn't have the power to stop it. And so many times we feel powerless. Something in our job does something to us that we don't like. We can't do anything. We can't change the things happening around us. But there is something we can change. And that's our outlook and how we act. Being powerless is where God can meet us. When we're weak and hurting is when God shows his power to heal, redeem, and change our lives. Without any doubt, I have no doubts about this, we can search the entire world for a story as beautiful as the nativity and not find it. We will not find it. Because the powerless are the ones that are, have the ultimate power in their corner. And that just doesn't happen. The story is fixed in history with actual play, in actual place and actual people. This is not something that we read to our kids at night and not say, this really happened because God is real. The characters are not the ones we expect to be vital to the story. Guess what? Herod the king, he's an evil man. It doesn't look good. He's the one with all the power in, in, in the world there. But God shows his power and his ability to the powerless. So as we look at Mary's perspective, start with me. It's Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I'm going to read the first few verses there. And we're going to look at this because I think... Many of us, whether now, presently, or in our past, have felt powerless and felt like God is distant. So let's look at what God does with Mary. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. I'd be pretty excited at that point, right? You might be thinking, maybe we didn't hear this part in the sermon last week. We did hear Joseph's perspective after the angel appeared to Mary, but we didn't hear about Mary. And we start by hearing this momentous news, Gabriel the archangel, that's a big deal. Okay, Gabriel comes to Mary in a small town called Nazareth. Gabriel is, is like, that is like, whoa, God's sending his top messenger. I can't think of anyone else that's mentioned in, in Scripture outside of Jesus Christ that is that big of a messenger to the people. We learn about Mary being a virgin, betrothed to Joseph, and the house of David. And, you know, her virginity is really important. People have kind of attacked this in our contemporary culture. It's mentioned twice. Anytime something's mentioned twice, we know it's important. If you mention something twice to another person, they either get annoyed at you or they didn't hear you the first time, 
right? Because you just keep saying the same thing because you're like, no, this is really important. And then Gabriel says, greetings, Mary. Greetings, Mary, O favored one. The Lord is with you. What an amazing thing to hear. If I had an angel appear to me like Mary and had him say that, I'd probably be on my knees afraid because I'd be like, I'm hallucinating or God is actually appearing before me through an angel right now. And so all that is going on right there, the Lord is with her. And that's why we need to realize this. God's favor and presence is with the powerless. Mary was powerless. One person said this about Mary. From all indicators, her life could not be extraordinary. She, she would marry humbly to a carpenter, give birth to numerous poor children, never travel more than a few miles from home, and one day die like thousands of others before her, a nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. But yet, who appeared to her? The angel Gabriel. The greatest news in all of history first came to a woman in a male-dominated culture. First came to a woman, and even more than that, a poor woman. This woman would only live one short period of history and then die. And we think, wait a second. Why would God come to Mary? That's the question I've had all week as I've been preparing. Why? Because God comes to those who are needy, those that know they have need. They cannot make it on their own, and they need God. They need him. But first, we need to acknowledge that we're powerless, that we really have weakness, and point to the one who has the true power. The apostle Paul was someone acquainted with sacrifice, he was acquainted with, with sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. When we're all running for power, what we're not realizing is when we're weak, God is working in us. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may rest upon me. When you are weak, when you are powerless, that's when God comes and shows up and gives you his power. That's, that's the problem. Sometimes, I don't know how many times I've been on the road and we, we traveled a lot this summer and I'd be like, no, I know where I'm going. Isn't that a guy thing to do? You know, driving with my wife in a town I've never seen before, somewhere in the middle of the country, and I'm like, no, I know, I know where I'm going. Of course I made a wrong turn, right? Because I know where I'm going. Well, guess what? We don't know where we're going. We don't know what to do. Can, let's just admit it today. I don't know. Can we say that more often? Instead of acting like we know something? I'm just, I know I'm crazy. But I'm thinking, like, why? Why? Is your life pointing to the one who has given you everything? Or is it pointing to your exploits? The fact that you know something. Or you did something. Mary's sitting there. And we're going to see what her response is in just a second. And Mary has no idea why this happened. She doesn't feel deserving of the favor of God at all. And guess what? If you do, you probably are a little too arrogant because we don't deserve it either. We don't deserve it at all. And so Mary has the response many of us have when we see grace. Go to verse 29. You're going to want to see this. She, she responds the way many of us would. Verse 29 says, but she was greatly 
troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. That's a common saying in the Bible. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you've found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. I'm going to stop there for a second. There's a lot to unpack here. Mary's greatly troubled. She's wondering what it means. She's intimidated as we would be. She's thinking, she's still thinking while the angel's speaking. Have you ever noticed like when someone else is talking, many of us don't, aren't active listeners. It's really hard. You have to train yourself to be an active listener. What happens when someone else is talking, we're thinking about something. Like right now as I'm speaking, some of you are thinking about what, something else. Like just because that's what we do. We do that constantly. And so she does this. But it's almost as if the angel knows what she's thinking. Because the first thing the angel says is, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Stop. Don't be afraid. He's directly addressing the fight or flight response she's having. She's wondering if she should run for the hills, get away from there, or she should stay and figure out what this thing is. She's humble because she wonders, how can I be favored? What? Why? She's trying to discern, trying to figure out why would I be favored? There's something I need to tell you at this point. And we sometimes gloss over this when we tell the Christmas story. When we learn about Christmas and Jesus Christ, Mary was anywhere from 12 to 14 years old, probably 12. And I know in this room, there's probably maybe a few 12-year-olds, but remember when you were 12? I would have been so scared that this angel appeared to me and wondered, how could I be favored? There's all these other religious people. There's all these other people that have lived life so long and been faithful to God. And I'm sitting here like, I'm 12. I don't have anything. God sometimes has to repeat himself when we don't believe because Mary was questioning everything at this point. And God emphasizes things when we don't actively listen. So she's, she's like, in this, but she's like, I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. So there's something I just thought about this week. God tries to wake Mary up because he doesn't want our partial attention. He doesn't want part of our attention. He wants all of our attention. And so when we, when we sit and we allow other things to get in, the, get in our way, you know, when you're doing devotions and you're reading the Bible and you, you start reading it and you're like, man, I got to check off my list this week. Do you see what I'm getting at? Like you, you slide over and you give God your partial attention and it's really hard to give his full, your full attention. But God had Mary's attention now. And she must have thought this. There is no way that this is real. That's, I, I can't think of any other answer for a 12-year-old girl in the middle of, of where she was in this small town. There's this angel, bright, shining light. This is, can't be real. But then God does something as a part of what the angel says. God announces his plans to the powerless. The angel Gabriel didn't appear to Herod, the king. appeared to a 12-year-old girl. The people that we think should have that, that perfect spot to hear from God, 
many times are not the people that hear from God. Because, because what happens next? The angel says, Mary's going to have a boy. He's going to be great, the son of the most high, the promised king, the savior of the world. And that's not all. We don't realize many times because we don't live like it, that he will reign forever with a kingdom that has no end. No end. No boundaries. He's the firstborn. He's Mary's firstborn, okay? He's, he's the heir to nothing because they have nothing. Joseph and her have nothing unless God is the father. And then he becomes an heir to God and the royal line, not Mary. He's been announced as the final king. There's no boundaries. There's, there's nothing like when we get worried about what's happening in our world, we have to, we have, to have a, a worry check is what I call it. You need a worry check and go, wait a second. Who's the real king? Who's the real king? Because sometimes we get so worried about stuff that doesn't really matter. It just doesn't. Jesus was announced to a teenage girl. The truth is stranger than the fictions. You, you, you can't make up details like this. That's why Joseph didn't believe her. If you were here last week, Joseph didn't believe her because you can't make this up. No one in the Jewish culture would have ever thought that God would appear through an angel to a teenage girl. No one would have thought that. No one would have thought that the teenage girl would be the one that God showed favor to. Of course, it, it couldn't be her. It must be a king or someone overly religious or a priest or someone wealthy. But God chose a teenage girl, one that was powerless. When we feel powerless, we're just like Mary. Can you imagine being there, being like, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Do I tell my husband? We know she did. What do I say? No one's going to believe me. I have, she's powerless. She was going to have to tell her betrothed that she was pregnant. She was scared. She's one that was scared. She didn't first believe the favor of God was on her. And she gets so afraid. Have you ever been afraid? You know, Friday night, I had the honor of being a part of the Turning Point Christ, or No, Friday night, Thursday night. Man, it's been a long weekend. Thursday night, being part of the Turning Point Christmas concert. And one of the things that the, the band that was there, it was the Auburn Community Band shared, is most people in the United States are one paycheck from homelessness. Most people. And I thought about that a little bit. How much do we, we, the big general we, church, community, care that much for each other that when that happens, we pick people back up from where they're at? We pick up the powerless because that's what God announced his plans to. That's who God goes to. And Mary here gets the courage to ask a question at this point. And I wonder if we're asking questions. We're asking maybe the wrong questions sometimes, but sometimes we don't realize how much God has actually given us. I've never spent a day in my life homeless. I never have. But when you walk with someone that's lost their house, that's lost part of their family, that's had their kids taken away, you start realizing that is the place that God wants to work. It's really hard 
to work with someone that doesn't know they have need. It's, it's impossible, actually, because you think you can get things from other places. You start worshiping your possessions. You start doing that. And Mary here didn't have any of that. She technically was homeless. That's why I'm mentioning this. She's homeless. She doesn't have a place to stay. When they have Jesus born, he's born in a manger, in a barn, in a the cave. It's, it, there's nothing. They have nothing. But Mary still has more courage than I think most of us would at this point. She says something that I think, honestly, is something any of us would say if an angel came to us like this. Starting in verse 34, I'm, I'm going to read all the way through 38. Verse 34 says, and, the, and then Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and is in the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary was curious. I don't know how she got up the courage to say this, but she's curious. How can this be because I'm a virgin? That's her first verbal response. We haven't heard her talk at all. She's probably... I don't know, on her knees, looking up, kind of like there's a bright light. It's kind of like me on the stage. I can't see up there, really. Like, it's just this bright light on you. How could she get pregnant without being with a man? And the response of the angel bears repeating. And I think many of us, this next phrase, what the angel says, we all want. If we're honest with ourselves, I want this for each and every one of you. Each and every believer the world over. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That's what he says next. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Will overshadow you. You'll be overcome by the Holy Spirit. The power of the Most High. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Jesus was going to be holy. And and holy is a word we, we use in church a lot, but it really just means set apart. It's different. Set apart so separate, so pure. We can't attain that. It's holy. He was the son of God, not man. Mary chose, or God chose Mary to show his power. And that's why God chooses the powerless to show his power. Because if you think you got it all together, how's God going to work in your life? If you think you have it all, it just, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And the powerless will have power over the powerful because of Jesus. The powerless will have power over the powerful because of Jesus. Think about that. That, that is so different than anything you heard this week before you walked in the doors. It's so different. The ones that are looked at as weak are strong in the kingdom of God. God is the creator God. I woke up way too early this morning and was able to see the stars. And when I saw the stars, I thought, the creator God, the God of the universe, is literally sending a message to a 12-year-old girl in the Middle East that no one's going to believe because that's what he does. He created everything. So he certainly can create a baby in Mary. Why do we doubt it? 
He created something out of nothing when he created the universe. It's supernatural. Only God can do what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Only God can do it. Mary is in uncharted territory in the history of all humanity. The angel, the angel senses this hesitancy because she asks the question, how can this happen because I'm a virgin? And it shows by what he says next. Right after this, he says, you know, Mary, remember Elizabeth, your relative? She was barren. They said she couldn't have a child and she has one. Remember that? That was God. That wasn't, that wasn't anything that you, you could have done, anybody could have done. This happened six months ago. Elizabeth's pregnancy shows that the Holy Spirit was already working. I think sometimes we don't realize that the Holy Spirit's already working when we're in our need and we need the Holy Spirit. We forget that, hey, he's already done something. Maybe it's in a friend. Maybe it's in a family member. Maybe it's through something you previously had happen. Maybe, maybe it's just... God is working because the angel says something next that we would do well to remember. This is, we got to remember this, church. This is, this is so important. It says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Can I say that again? Nothing will be impossible with God. There's nothing that will be impossible with God. If you are in God's kingdom, doing God's work, with God's timing, it's not going to be impossible. Things will happen that you'll just be left amazed because God chooses the powerless to do the impossible. Mary was chosen to do the impossible, and yet she had no power. She wasn't royalty. You would call her someone that's, I mean, living on the street. What we cannot do in our power, God can do more than we can imagine. When I was 14, if I was able to look at my future self and see myself today, I think I would have freaked out because there's no way I would have seen what I'm doing today. I would have never seen that at 14. How many of you would say the same? Come on, let's, let's see some hands. What you're doing now is not what you thought at 14 you were going to do. That's how God works. Whether you think it's good or bad, whether there's hurt and pain, whatever it is, that's what happens. Your 14-year-old self is not going to know what's going on in the future. Mary was sitting there and didn't know what was going to happen. That's how God works. This week, this next week, I want to challenge you to do some more thinking on that. This next week, think back on your life, how you've changed. Good, bad, everything. Everything. Look at when God stepped in. There's certain times where I felt protected, where I wasn't pursuing God, but God was pursuing me. You know, certain times where I could have got in a lot of trouble and I didn't, or certain times where I probably could have died, but I didn't. Certain times I could have done things that would have, would have changed my life forever in a negative way, and somehow it just didn't happen. What has happened? Moments of pain, moments of joy, the changes that have happened. And so how has God been weaving this impossible story of his grace in your life. How has he been doing it? When I look at Mary, I go, why? Why Mary? Why? If you can give me an answer this week, you'll get bonus gold star next week for the sermon. Doesn't make any sense. 
Anything can be done with our future. God can do anything. Nothing is too big or too hard for him. Nothing. And you may hear this and be like, well, I prayed for this long or I've done this for this long. Nothing is too hard for him. Guess what? Sometimes what our will is is not what God's will for us is. I don't think Mary would have chosen to be the mother of Jesus. I don't think any mother would choose to see their son die on a cross. I say that wholeheartedly. I can't even do it as a father. I can't even imagine making that choice. It makes me tear up because I think Mary would have never chosen that future, but that's what God had for her. And nothing was impossible in in God's will for her. If we're followers of Jesus Christ, we owe our spiritual lives to Jesus Christ. But even further, we owe our very existence to him. We owe our existence. Mary's response should be our own. A 12-year-old girl basically ministered to my heart this week because I, I read this and I thought, maybe I've just skimmed over this a lot when I've read this. Mary says, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. What? That's, that's what she says? I, I, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. This is wisdom from a 12-year-old girl. Teenagers, you can have some wisdom, see? But it came from the angel, so let's, you know. She willingly served God. She willingly trusted God. She willingly had faith in the power of God. And she was powerless. I can imagine her there with the angel, and she's just like this, almost. Because there's a bright light You know, and she's talking, but her face is towards the ground and she can't figure out what is going on, but she's just like, God, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. She doesn't doesn't have anything. She's got nothing to give. She's got nothing left. This is her only option. And I, I personally think that in that moment, Mary knew God's way was the only way. Sometimes we have other ways that we want to go. You ever take a detour and you actually get lost? There's no short way to heaven. There's no short way to God. And Mary knew that. So I, I want you to think about a couple questions this week. And these are things that are hard to write, especially around Christmas. Because we're all, we all hurt. And I think the hurt really from from Mary here is she just knows she's powerless, but God is the one doing the healing in her life. So are we willing to do what God asks of us? Are we willing to do that? That's the question. Are we willing to do what God asks of us? And are we willing to listen, not just listen? You know, sometimes my wife says something and I don't hear it. Guys, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to give it away to all the married couples in the room, but I don't hear it. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about active listening. You eliminate the things in your mind and you focus on the word of God. Are you listening and following God's word? I've made so many mistakes in my life. Things that, things that I wish I, I didn't do. And I know it was because in that moment, I was not listening. God was telling me to do something differently than what I was doing. 
God had told me my whole life. I think my 14-year-old self, if it had faith like Mary, it would have known I'd be in front of you today. But I know that my 14-year-old self didn't have that faith. So I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different this week. Be like Mary. Be a servant. Be powerless. Give up, give up all the, the rights and privileges we think we have and think, I just want to live according to the word of God. I, I don't have power. There's, there's so many illusions. There's so many things we deceive ourselves with. And let's be like Mary. So what? Like, what, why does that matter? Because God announces his favor and his presence to the powerless. Every single one of us is going to have that point where we feel powerless. That rock bottom. And that rock bottom is different for every single one of us. You know, I've had friends that have testimonies of they, they got saved in jail and now they're working for the jail. Or there's, there's, there's all these kind of stories of God's grace and his work. But sometimes I just say, do you have to go that low before you turn? Mary didn't have to go that low. She wasn't, she wasn't a murderer. She wasn't arrested. She wasn't, like, she was just weak. She couldn't do anything. She was amazed. She, she thought she was going to be left to take care of this child by herself. A single mother, a single teenage mother in the Middle East in a male-dominated culture that wouldn't have anyone take care of her. She thought she was going to have a life on the streets. And yet she said, I will be a servant of the Lord. It, it will be according to your word. And, and I sit here and I wonder many times we need to just give up the power we think we have and receive the power that God has to work in our lives because God chooses the powerless to show his power and do the impossible church that's what I want for us is to, for us to be used to show God's power in our community all over the world and to do the impossible that person that you think you're never going to talk to because they'll never talk to you again. I want to hear about how God opened the door to talk to that person. I want to hear things that just don't make sense. Needs that are being met because God stepped in. Conversations that somehow, well, that's weird. We just talked about this and all of a sudden the need is met. That's what God's about. It's not just Christmas time that that can happen. It's the whole year. Because God chooses the powerless to show his power and to do the impossible. Let's do that this week, church. Let's do that. Because God's with us and for us. Just like Mary. Maybe we're afraid at first. This week, let's have the courage to say, I will be a servant. Let it be according to your word, God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we know that 
life's hard. Around the holidays, there's a lot of people in need. God, and sometimes we are powerless. We're powerless to help. We're powerless to to see opportunities sometimes, Lord. And I pray that you, God, would give us as the church the very power that comes from you, the power of God in our community, the boldness to speak of your son, Jesus Christ, the boldness to make sacrificial offerings so that others can have their needs met. Lord, help us to do the impossible. Help us to not forget when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, she was a young child and yet she was willing to be a servant. Help us to be a church filled with people that exemplify that phrase. We will be servants of you, Lord. Let it be according to your word. Because we know this and we believe this, but Lord, help our faith to be strengthened. Nothing is impossible with you, Lord. Nothing is impossible. So help us this Christmas season to see this impossible story that supernaturally sent your son to this earth to die for us, but then to be resurrected to new life and give us everything we ever possibly could have. Help us to see that and have so much joy that we have to share with others. We say all this in Jesus' name.